The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings, went off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend to swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed. But nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat. But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. And then let us celebrate with a feast. Because... This son of mine was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and is on his way back as he neared the house. He heard the sound of music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants 
and asked him what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered a fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. And he became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered a fattened calf. And he said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice. Because your brother, who was dead, has come back to life again. He was lost, and he has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote once regarding peace, and he said that peace ceases when each man seeks what is his own. I suspect that all of us here know the difference between perfect and imperfect contrition. Imperfect contrition It's a combination of fear and love. We are sorry for our sins because of God's punishments and also because we love him. Whereas perfect contrition is sorrow simply because of the love of God. Today's parable is well known to us. We refer to it usually as the parable of the prodigal son. Although it would be better called parable of the loving father. Our Lord begins by speaking of these two sons and the younger son who wants the share of his estate. He wants what is his own, what he will get when his father dies. So give me the share of your estate that should come to me. He wants what is his own. And the father does it. He recognizes the freedom of the son, and the son then, we are told, collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country. He left the father, which means in this parable he left grace. He lost sanctifying grace and went off to a distant country, the country being one separated from the father, a country of sin and decadence. And we are told he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. Again, the symbol of it all. And then, all of a sudden, he's found destitute. And he realizes it. There's an emptiness in his life. The superficial wealth that he had is gone. What he might once have had, he left behind. And he's left feeding the swine. And, of course, swine were an unclean animal. No Jew could even touch one. He's feeding them, and he can't even eat what they eat. 
So you see the, the total destitution, the total emptiness of his life. And all of a sudden, he wakes up. And we're told, he says, coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying of hunger. He realizes his situation and then says, I shall get up and go to my father. He's going to return to the father, but not out of love. That's not the motive. He's concerned for himself. He doesn't like the situation that he's in. His contrition is certainly not perfect. I will go to my father, and he rehearses what he will say to the father. I'll go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. He's correct. He has. I no longer deserve to be called your son. He's right again. He doesn't. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. That sounds like justice. In fact, it sounds like even then kindness on the part of the father to treat him as one of the hired workers. And so he sets off. We are told now in the scriptures that while he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him. God is always the one who takes the initiative. We may think we have, but we aren't. It's God who is always calling us before we can call him uh, from all eternity. God doesn't see things in successions. God simply is. So God is always there before we are. And he's the one that takes the initiative in going out to him. And we are told he caught sight of him was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The joy of the father. The son's contrition may be imperfect. He may be sorry not out of love for the father, but the father is joyful out of love for the son. God will love us even when we come back to him, however imperfect that return might be. And the son begins his excuse. Again, you have to see ourselves in this, you know, because we are the son, obviously, the younger son. Uh, we have to see ourselves speaking. So he begins by saying, as we begin when we go to confession, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. We began today, as always, with the Confidior before Mass and the Kyrie eleison, as we will do once again before we receive communion. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Very well done. He's got that out. But the Father won't let him finish. The Father interjects himself because of his joy. Uh, And what does he do? I mentioned this last Sunday. Whenever we come back to God, whether it be from venial sin or from mortal sin, God always gives us more than we had when we left him. God will not be outdone in generosity. So when we come back, we not only receive grace, we receive more grace than we had before. And he does the same thing with the son. Uh, Not only does he take him back, he says, quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him, no less. The robe being a symbol of grace. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it, as that one little girl said when she was asked about this parable, you remember this, by her teacher, who was sorry when the prodigal son came home, and she said, the fattened calf. <laughs> and take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Uh, there's going to be a feast. The feast, there's a sacrifice and a feast. What is it, of course? When we come back, there's always the reality of the Eucharist. It's the Eucharist to which we return, and that's the great feast the Father is going to throw now. Um, and he's, he says, because this son of mine, this son of mine, he recognizes him as his son, was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. So it begins. Now we come to the elder son. I don't think 
that we would have difficulty sympathizing with the elder son, would we? Um, he has a pretty good case, it would seem. Uh, he's angry. And he's told why there is this great feast going on, music and dancing. And the servant tells him, your brother has returned. Your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. But the brother is angry. Again, he has a case, it would seem, injustice that he would have one, given what his brother had done. He refuses to go to the feast out of his anger. He won't enter into it, as some people won't. But the father comes out to him. Notice, again, the father takes the initiative. Uh, once again, how many times has that happened to us? Again, when we think that we've, we've turned a corner, and we have, but God all along was pushing us. God will hound us to our dying day. And we won't even recognize the fact that he's doing it sometimes, but he does it. And often in the most unpleasant sort of ways. And so he says, notice how he replies. The elder son has no love for the father either, as the scribes and the Pharisees don't, for God the father. He simply was doing all this out of obedience, and a grudging obedience too, you can see. All these years I have served you. I served you. He didn't, but I did. And not once did I disobey your orders. Meritorious. Praiseworthy. He was obedient, but not loving. And you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. He resents now, all of a sudden, what he didn't have and thought he should have. As we can do with God, too, can't we? But when your son returns, notice, this son of yours, not my brother. He won't recognize him as his brother. But only as your son, or this son of yours who swallowed up your property with prostitutes. How does he know? How does he know what his brother was doing? Or is he envious of his brother? For him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He's really angry at the love of the father. How can God do such a thing? How can God forgive? How can God possibly allow this? How can the father embrace the son? And the father explains it to him. He says my son, the elder brother's his son too, whom he loves, however imperfect he may be. You are here with me always. Didn't you realize you had it all? As long as you were, you were in the state of grace, as long as you had the sacrament, as long as you had the Eucharist, don't, you had it all, and don't you realize this? Everything I have is yours. Should, we should realize that. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead. He doesn't, he didn't have it, he lost it. He's come back to life again, was lost and has been found. How wonderful. So again, the father is the hero. And the great reward is the, is the feast, is the banquet and the sacrifice. And all that, it's been ours all along. I mean, take it for granted, don't we? But only people who didn't have it and suddenly find it, find an excitement that we should have too. But first of all, we have to realize what it is like to be the younger son even though we are frequently, we don't realize the desperation that we're supposed to when we are away from the Father. Which brings me to a, a, a prayer that you may remember, a prayer of St. Anselm, the Archbishop of Canterbury, that sort of sums this up in his life, the life of the prodigal son, and in your life and mine too. He said, Lord, I am frightened of living. 
My whole life seems sinful and sterile. Any fruits I bear are either false or rotten. Nothing I do seems pleasing to you. I'm a barren tree that deserves to be chopped down, cut up, and burnt. I bear only the sharp and bitter thorns of sin. If only those thorns could prick me into repentance. Inside me, my conscience burns. I dare not show myself, yet I have nowhere to hide. What will happen to me? Who will protect me from your wrath? Where can I find safety? Lord, you are my judge in whose hands I tremble. Yet you are also the one who can save me. Though I fear you, I trust you. Though I want to flee you, I flee towards you. Jesus, Jesus, deal with me according to your love. Jesus, Jesus, forget the sin by which I have provoked you and see only the misery which invokes you. Most kind Lord, confirm in me all that belongs to you and cast away all that is alien to you. Only someone who has been forgiven can know the joy of that prayer. And only someone who has been forgiven can know the joy of the body and blood of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always be visible signs of God's forgiveness and of his loving mercy, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will be open to that mercy and repentance and conversion, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that in their suffering they may know the healing power of God. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have wandered from grace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For greater respect for human life and in our day and age, especially in the womb and at the end, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will proclaim the mercy of God to others, for a greater reverence for the witness of mercy in marriage and a single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having received the forgiveness of God, they may then be visible signs of it and proclaimers of it, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May perpetual light shine upon May they rest in peace. Amen. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. May the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. For all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all of our youth, they may continue to grow in the grace of God. They may continue to know his forgiveness and his love. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for all of us here, finally, that having received the forgiveness of God, having realized his love, we may then be visible signs of it. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the refuge of sinners and to the sorrowful mother as we sing. <laughs> 